0: Issues, This is Dave, on your host of cooking issues, coming to you live, not from Newsstand Studios because we're shut down today. But I'm in the Lower East Side of New York City. We got Nastasia the Hammer Lopez in Stanford. How you doing? Okay. <laughs> we got we got John back in uh, in uh, you're you're chilling over there in Murray Hill now, right? Or is that Murray Hill? What you call that place?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the neighborhood I yeah. Murray Hill.
0: We got uh, we yeah. got. Uh, Jackie Molecules, you won't be able to hear him because uh, with the setup that we're working today, uh, he has to, uh, he he can't both run the setup and talk on the setup. So Jackie Molecules is here in spirit. And in fact, he's back on the boards today, which is, you know, it's nice. It's always nice to have Jackie Molecules on the boards. And we have, uh, we were supposed to have uh, Olive Oil Nick on. I don't know his last name, so I call him Olive Oil Nick. Uh, but
2: because of, uh, what Coleman, Nick Coleman,
0: Nick Coleman, because, uh, because the olive oil tasting kind of has to be live. Uh, and we can't go live because of, uh, various, uh, quarantining issues with the, um, with the current state of the Omicron. Uh, we're going to have him uh, early in the new year, right? John, have we already rescheduled that or no?
1: Working on rescheduling. But probably all right, all right.
0: Uh, so today instead we have as we usually as we try to every year we have Phil Bravo here to do his uh, voiceover skills and his grinching uh, by the way Phil
3: yes what's up Dave
0: you still you still are wasting your magic voice <laughs> you you Phil you're a punk. Like, God has given you a gift that you waste on a consistent basis. So Phil I has- I
3: teach the children, Dave. I teach the children.
2: I want you guys There's to listen to right the, now, Phil. You don't have a job right now, Phil.
3: Oh, well, I know. It's so magical. It's great. And,
0: and unfortunately, because we're on Zencaster, and uh, apparently Phil sounds like he's talking to a microphone that's across the street from where his body is- uh you can't get the full effect of the kind of like you know the the deep gravel uh in uh in the Phil Bravo voice but he's given this gift uh it's not like he doesn't deal in kind of music or or recordings or things like this but he has decided instead of taking his voice which god gave him instead of doing that he has decided to make his life's work teaching people how to make the most irritating noise on earth, the recorder. So he teaches small children how to take the most irritating musical instrument on earth back to their houses so that their parents have to listen to the horrible one note whine that a recorder makes. If they blessedly don't overblow that damn thing, is there anything worse Phil than an overblown recorder? Uh,
3: I think it's awesome, man. It's overtones. Come on. You just gotta, it's all about, it's all about perspective.
0: So there's a perspective in which an overblown recorder, by the way, when I say overblown, I mean you blow on it too hard and it makes that horrible dying donkey cow noise thing. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Anyway, it's a horror show and uh, you're an embarrassment. I love you, but you're you're an embarrassment for wasting your voice. You know what I'm saying?
3: Merry Christmas.
0: <laughs> See what I'm saying, yeah. people? You hear that voice? You hear that voice? And also, uh, first time, uh, first time on the show, we uh, have uh, Joe, and I'm gonna I'm gonna work on your last name, Joe. Joe Gutisha.
4: Did I get it right? Yeah, you got it.
0: Yeah, Serbian name, which I just found out uh, today. Serbian name. Yeah, uh, by the way, Joe is a poet, so maybe we'll get some poetry uh, at some point in in this. I don't know whether everyone knows this. Nastasia Lopez, poetry major. A Joe friend of Nastasia. Uh, Nastasia, poetry major back in the college. It's I don't a, know if that's a... I learned about her,
4: actually. It's the first what? First thing I ever learned about Nastasia was that she was a poetry major. Let me ask you this. Did she say that
0: to you before or after you said that you were a poet? Because that would be weird.
4: That's like for someone
0: Nastasia's age to show up and be like... Hi, I'm, my name is Anastasia. I was a posing major in college. I don't
4: think it was like that. No, like that. you literally
0: said it was the first fact, though.
4: Thought it about. I'm not sure who started. Was it me or you? I don't know. I mean,
2: I'd have to look I at. Know. I don't know.
4: We have to look at the footage at the store. <laughs> right at the store
0: at this store in line at the Dwayne Reed no
2: no anyone, no anyone anyone
0: anyone I was a poetry major I was a poetry major Joe's like oh I'm a poet I'm a poet and then that's how that's how that happened. is that right is that pretty yeah. much my close yeah,
4: Dwayne Reed yeah Dwayne Reed our, those yeah. Are our grounds.
0: I would say like uh, for those of you that uh, aren't from New York uh, how do you describe the Dwayne Reed?
2: Oh, um, I don't know,
3: Phil, John. I mean, it depends on where you're from. Like if you're from Ohio, I would say it's like a, it's like a truck stop, but without the showers, Wait, I don't you know, it, it has, it has everything you need, but you really don't want to be there.
0: Right.
1: It's like a CVS. Yeah, but it's not the CVS. same.
0: If, if you go to a suburban drug, no, if you go to a suburban drugstore, right, you're going to a suburban drugstore, you walk into the drugstore, you you do your stuff and you leave. You're, there's not like this, there's not like this, like a uh, seething, like this seething thing between you and the people who run the store. It's not like a, it's just not a thing. It's a different vibe. A suburban drugstore doesn't have the same vibe as Dwayne Reed.
3: Yeah, Dwayne Reed is upset you're there.
0: <laughs> yeah. D- Dwayne Reed, Dwayne Reed is weird because they're selling you drugs, presumably to keep you alive, yet they wish you were dead. You know what I mean? It's a weird thing. I can't explain it. If you're not like, I can't explain it. Imagine like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like something that all New Yorkers, because it doesn't even matter whether it's actually a Dwayne Reed, right? It could be a CVS, could be a Rite Aid. They're all Dwayne Reed's to me here in New York. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, so, Joe, I found out today, because uh, I, I asked him about his last name, is of Serbian descent, but has never been to Serbia.
4: Yeah, what a shame.
0: It's a sh- it, Right? Which, which, and the reason it's a shame is because I need a connection for the world's most expensive cheese, which is from Serbia.
4: Is it really the world's most expensive?
0: It is the world's most expensive cheese. I'm a little bit upset with it, though. There... Right outside, uh, you know, uh, right, right in Serbia, there's a, a nature preserve, right? And on that nature preserve, they have a uh, herd of Balkan donkeys. I'm not making this up. This is all true story, true facts. They have a ba- Balkan donkeys. And they're like, you know, as you do, you have these donkeys. You're like, how am I going to do with these donkeys, right? So they have these donkeys. And they're like, mm, let's milk the donkeys. And so they milk the donkeys. But it turns out donkey milk doesn't easily – first of all, you don't get that much milk out of a donkey. I don't know. like That's not like a phrase anyone uses, but you don't get that much milk out of a donkey. And donkey milk doesn't make uh, cheese very easily. In fact, there's an Italian group that's been working on – because they also have some uh, domesticated donkeys that get milked in Italy. in Italy – and, uh, and I think also in, no, that's camel milk. Anyway, so like donkeys don't produce that much milk and it's hard to make a good cheese out of it. So these folks in Serbia mix the donkey milk with like 40% goat milk, right? Because goat milk, you know, we all know goat milk makes a decent, a delicious cheese, right? And everyone likes a mixed milk cheese. So they, they basically, they make a soft, almost goaty chev thing that is 60, 60% donkey and 40% goat. And it's called, I don't know how you would pronounce it, but it's P-U-L-E. I'm going to call it Pule. So this cheese is the most expensive cheese in the world. They don't ship it. You have to go to the donkey preserve in Serbia to pick it up, right? And last I checked, which was a while ago, it runs about $600 a kilo, $600 a kilo. So that's, that's it's an expensive cheese but you know, you're not buying a kilo. You're buying like, you know, like a, like a little, uh, like a John, what's your favorite, uh, tiny size French Chev uh, like form. What, what, what do you, what do you like? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Anyway. So, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So you choose your favorite size like that. And, uh, it's like that. And so that tiny thing only runs you back like, you know, 60, 70 bucks or something like this. So you can, you know, all you and your buddies can get a taste of the world's most expensive cheese, you know, without breaking the bank. But I'm a little disappointed that you've never been over there. And I feel if you did go there that you would taste the cheese for me. I don't need to taste it. I need someone, I need to talk to someone who tastes it.
4: Okay. Yeah, I would gladly do that for you. Um, I don't have any plans to go anytime soon. I'd love to, but doesn't in the cards right now, but maybe it's a secret card. So the, the
0: secret the secret donkey cheese card yeah all right uh all right john you got anything uh, you got anything for uh for the because this is the last show of the year right this is it this is the last show of the year
1: this is the this is it this is the last show of the year uh first i don't know if anyone's listening live but i can't be in the discord right now it messes with the audio so sorry for that um okay but okay. other things remember i can that?
2: be in it i can go in it
1: Whatever. Okay. Oh thanks. Um guys, we have eight eight seven eight days left on the Sears All Pro uh Indiegogo. We are so freaking close to uh crossing that finish line. So if you haven't bought it yet, help us get there. It would be awesome to, you know, meet this uh Meet this goal and actually be able to come out with this product, or, or um, alternatively,
0: if you don't want to do that, Photoshop an image of Nastasia's head, my head, and John's head flushing down a toilet, and send that to us so that we can enjoy that uh, that image, right, guys?
2: They, all they have to use is our Rockefeller yep. Center Christmas card thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you like, yeah, 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 like that flushing down the toilet, and that's that's the alternative, right, Stas?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Merry Christmas! Give me some Merry Christmas, Phil.
3: Merry Christmas.
0: See, what a waste. What a waste. I know. That's the
3: thing. I like Joe. Joe's introduction is he's a poet. And let me tell you about his Serbian ancestry. It's mine is Phil, you're an offense to God. I mean, it's true, though.
0: I mean, that's true. What if – let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What if, like – what if it turns out that you could, like – Pole jump, like, you know, pole vault. What if what if you could pole vault, like, twice as high as anyone else on Earth, but you're like, nah. Listen,
3: nah. I'm I'm 42. What do you think all of those Olympic pole vaulters are doing when they're 42? They're not pole vaulting around Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, but you never did it, and your voice is going to last for at least another week and a half. You know what I'm saying? It's like. It, now the it, the, the overcome is going to get me. Your, you know, your voice may not last forever, Phil. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know you you you, you know li- listen to listen to uh you know listen to some old singers. Although they're using their voice all the time, is that why singers' voices kind of go because they use them all the time, or does it just happen as you get older?
3: No, they theoretically they don't go. Male male singers uh, like opera singers, your voice doesn't really mature until you're 40. So I was just waiting to mature, Dave, like a fine mm-hmm. donkey cheese.
0: Mm, well, remember <laughs> the donkey cheese is fresh.
3: Phil. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. I am not.
0: Well, that's for sure.
1: Uh, But real quick, just to add one more thing about the Sears All Pro. Uh, So that means there's eight days left to claim the cooking issues secret perk. If you go to BookerandDax.com, there's a pop-up for it. But you get $5 off the Sears All Pro, and Dave is going to make a pie marches on video kind of thing, five to ten minute video of him going through the prep work and making the pie, and you'll get an annotated recipe as well, so you can finally hear what Nastassia and I have been dealing with for the past couple of months of all. So, this.
0: uh, so fair, fair notice. I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to get into pine marches on. I'm not going no to no more, no
2: more, no more. get into, I'm not going to get into Monroe, Boston
0: Strauss. And you know, nobody in, in the business wants to hear about it. Nobody in my family wants to hear about it. Like no, like literally nobody. I went. Okay.
2: No, Dave. I'll say this,
0: John, John once set a timer. I started talking about pie. In one of our daily phone calls, set a timer. Forty-two minutes later, still talking about pies. Yep. I had not stopped talking about pies, and pie march is on. Yep. And John was just like, "Yo, yo, 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 Dave, I gotta go," and then he hung up the what phone. Did
1: we do last week when we went to Kitchen Arts and Letters? Day? Yeah, yeah,
0: I went to Kitchen Arts and Letters. I was talking to Matt. Yeah, I was talking to Matt Sartwell, Kitchen Arts and Letters, who you should buy. You know, you should buy all of your Christmas cookbooks and whatnot, or holiday, whatever. You should buy from them. So I went there of course to talk about what John what was I talking about pies pies and you didn't clock that one but it was forever I I I bored the pants off of a guy who only thinks about cookbooks 24/7 I was able to make him bored about pies that that is you know where you know that's that's my level of 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 interest in this particular in Monroe, Boston, Strauss and his, his pie making. All right. But that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to actually talk about it.
1: I'm not going to talk about it.
0: Um, so who do we have coming on next year for guests? Who do we have already in, in the pipeline there, John?
1: Boy, oh boy. Do we have a lot of people. We're going to kick off the new year with Sandor Katz. We're finally going to have him on after uh, not being able to, to have him in studio. Then we're going to have Masa Urushito on from Katana Kitten. Uh, then we're going to have... With his new
0: book, because he has a new book. We're also uh, exactly. we're going to have uh, Michael Anstending on win him, uh, the, the co-authors of the the book on Japanese cocktails. It should be good.
1: Yep, it's going to be great. And then at some point, we're going to have the MoFAD curatorial team on, as well as uh, Dr. Jessica Harris, two separately. But they're going to discuss the upcoming MoFAD exhibition, which is open is going to be great then we've got right. we we
0: had an opening date i know we announced it on air it's been pushed a little bit because of this freaking omicron yeah. uh but hopefully still opening in in february but you know stay tuned we'll push that out uh the mofad uh opening the the, the new date on our socials as soon as we have them
1: yep and then uh we're gonna have adam DiMartino joining us as well and then talking about mushrooms yep then mushrooms francisco Can I tell you something
0: about mushrooms can I say something about mushrooms? No. Yeah. I was at the I was at the New York Botanical Garden, the one in the Bronx, not the one in Brooklyn. And by the way, I gotta give Brooklyn their props. They do a better job than New York in dealing with kind of food based plants, like on a consistent level. They do a lot of talking about it, which I I appreciate. If you ever go to the New York Botanical Garden, right now they have the train show on. Everyone's going bonkers. Everyone, every year, everyone goes bonkers for the train show. But it, when you, you go into this giant conservatory, and to get from one wing to the other, they have this underground tunnel that, like, looks like you're inside of a corrugated metal tube, almost like a mini Quonset hut tunnel that you're going through. Almost like you're going into an underground bunker from like Area 51, but you have to walk through it. No windows. They should do mushrooms there, don't you think? They should have a mushroom thing at the New York Botanical Garden. I think that would be nice. I think it's a good idea.
3: I'm going to go ahead and guess that a lot of people are doing mushrooms at the New York Botanical Garden.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, if you're uh, going to. I mean, I don't know. I, I Like, am I the only guy that goes there for the plants? Is it just me? Am I the only one? I like plants. Only I thought you liked trees. One. I like trees. I'm getting to like plants more. I am a tree guy, but I'm, I'm beginning to to think about plants more kind of generally, whereas you hate trees, love flowers. Yeah. Right. But you don't, you only started hating trees because I like them so much. Is that true?
2: That is true.
0: You and Booker hate the fact that I like trees, whatever. Yes.
2: It's all right.
0: Whatever. Uh, all right, and so who then, else we have? You, you were about to say something else.
1: Francisco Megoya of Modernist Pizza and Modernist Bread fame, and then uh, Nick from Grove and Vine is going to come on as well. So yeah, talk about olive yeah, olive oils. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so the the Modernist get get all of your. Get all of your pizza questions ready Ooh, for John. when. Uh, John,
2: can we do Nick on, is there, val- what day is Valentine's Day? He will go on about using his oil as like aphrodisiac and massage and all that stuff. Valentine's Day is a Monday. Is that yes. The yes.
1: On? No, that's the day. What? No, Valentine's Day is on a Monday. On the 15th is when uh, Francisco Magui is coming on. Oh, and then when's Nick come on? Uh, hopefully the following week on the 22nd
2: but if people
0: are going to get nasty with his olive oil we need to do it the week before yeah i mean but that's just gross anyway you know what i mean unless he wants to go back to the like olympic era you remember like um you ever remember reading about the old school greeks they would put in the olympics they would they would they would put olive oil all over their bodies and then they had these like weird scrapers and they would scrape the filth and the oil off with the scraper, like similar to the thing that you use on a tablecloth to scrape the, to scrape the crumbs off the tablecloth.
3: My favorite thing about that story is, uh, do you remember when we all used to read about the, uh, you know, the Grecian athletes uh, and their oil baths? You're
0: saying you never read about that, Phil.
3: I've never read about that. Where the hell did you?
0: Oh, went to school in Florida. Sorry.
3: Okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we have good plants though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You do have good plants. You do have good plants. It, Nastasi, you never, you, you don't remember this? No. Uh-uh.
1: Uh-uh.
4: John, anyone?
1: I think, I, I think I remember something. Like I wish I
4: remembered something like this. Oh my God. <laughs> what did you guys learn
0: about the Greeks? Like what? Like Archimedes? Like what were you learning? You weren't learning about athletes and oil and scrapers? the hell i'm not even a sports guy i don't know anything about sports and i know how the ancient greeks used to scrape the oil off their bodies why do you still remember this i remember every dumb thing i forget everybody's name i forget everybody's face and yet i can remember random stories about people and random facts from when i was a child it's 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 a curse actually it's a curse i'd be better off if i remembered people and like appointments, you know, anyway, uh, from Jason, Oh, you have anything else or should I answer some of these questions?
1: Answer the questions.
0: All right. From Jason. Uh, I have a gear question. Finally, after 11 years of low temperature cooking, Jason, I know you've waited a long time for this answer. So here we go. And I, I'm just going to make it up. I, I apologize in advance, Jason, I'm making this up off the top of my head because I got to admit, I didn't give it serious thought beforehand. Every week, I'm like, I'm going to answer it next week because we have a guest. This week, I don't have a guest, and I still haven't thought about it, but I'm going to give you some answers anyway. Finally, after 11 years of low-temp cooking, I ordered a chamber vacuum machine, the VacMaster VP215, which a lot of people seem to like. I've never used it, right? The VP215 is VacMaster's. I'm pretty sure that's their oil pump unit. Uh, Aside from bagging stuff to cook, what are your favorite tricks or uses for it? All right, now, uh, the, the vp215 if it's the one I'm thinking of with the small small bless you small oil pump in it I don't know how uh, many how much moisture right it can actually remove so um, you know with, with the, the problem with removing uh, moisture from something with an oil pump is that uh, you you swap the oil and then you have to clean it but The most recent fun trick is the, uh, force cooling and like reinforcing the crust on, uh, breads. I will say, uh, so you take a a hot bread, hot bread, and then you put it in the vac and you, and you close it. If you put it in and you just run the vac, you're going to blow the, you're going to explode, uh, a soft crumb bread. Cause when bread comes right out of the oven, the, the, the starch hasn't really fully set up yet. It's too hot. And so it's actually, even though the crust is firm, the inside's quite fragile. So if you uh, run a, a hard vac on it, it'll blow off. So like what I've been doing recently is putting like a, you know, like a, like a cheesecloth uh, around the bread so that this stuff doesn't get sucked into your pump. And then just like doing it for like a couple of seconds and then pausing, wiping down the inside of the machine and doing it until it cools down enough that you can suck a harder vacuum on it. You can make a bread hundred percent sliceable in under 15 minutes from coming out of the oven, which is pretty crazy right? Um, just have to do it in like short bursts. And afterwards, you have to make sure you clean out the oil sufficiently. The other tricks I really like are obviously, you know, if you've, if you've never had a vacuum machine, a real vacuum machine before. Wow. I don't even know who that was. But you know, I hope you had a Kleenex nearby. Uh, the uh, if you've never had a, a, a real vacuum machine before, you got to do the old school trick where you put like fruit or ve- vegetables Uh, like, so for instance, cucumbers work great, uh, melons, even though I don't like the taste of them, they work great, uh, apples and things that are harder. They don't go as translucent, but pears work quite well. So you slice things into chunks or pieces and you put like a a flavorful liquid into the bag. You suck a hard vacuum on it and then, you know, you you force inject it in and all the stuff looks amazing. Like, like all of a sudden fruits look like amazing pieces of jewelry, uh, and they're infused with flavor. Or if you don't put a liquid in they just get uh, compressed down and they, they're like denser. So that's like, you know, the original watermelon trick was you didn't actually infuse anything into the watermelon. You just boom, smash the watermelon flat. So it was a denser, prettier uh, watermelon on that same idea. Flash pickling in a vacuum machine works great for things like very thinly sliced onions, which I love. Red, go red, please. Come on. Red, red pickled onions are the pickled onions to beat. Am I wrong about this?
2: Yeah, no, they're great. Love them.
0: Uh but you don't be, you like them once they're pickled, but so they pickled me, ones don't give you nightmares.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, the, the raw give me nightmares.
0: So pickling is enough.
2: Pickling is great. Yes, it's enough. Okay.
0: Uh good to know. And uh the other fun thing is things that uh have issues with them, cooking issues. So things that are uh like that are like grease sponges. I'm looking at you zucchini and I'm looking at you eggplant. So like when you're going to do uh an eggplant um an eggplant fried eggplant like for for parmesan or something, like i tend to squeeze the ever-loving snot out of eggplant before i salt it and then i squeeze the, the the piss out of it before i uh before i bread it and fry it some people will pre-nuke their eggplant and they nuke it to to kind of collapse the structure down so that the structure fills with water and won't absorb oil but well, I know if you salt the say. egg
2: I saw Phil go what? off and I know what he's going to say. What? Something about squeezing the eggplant.
0: Oh,
3: God. I, I, right, I, I absolutely was not.
2: Oh. I think.
3: No <laughs> yeah, oh, God. I had a legitimate food question, but that's okay.
0: Remember, Remember, Phil, first you have to slice the eggplant. And then after you slice the eggplant, only then can you squeeze it. So it's a little, you know. It's a little bit like uh, closing the barn door after the barn burns down. Anyway, I know I'm mixing metaphors there. So you slice the eggplant, uh, you salt it, you put it in the bag, and you smash it, and it goes flat instantly. And then you can, uh, you know, they're real thin and they fry up beautifully with like ze- zero internal grease. Now you want some grease in the breading because, come on. You know what I'm saying, but like you get very little grease in the eggplant when when you when you do it that way. Is that a good list of uh, tricks to do with the vac size?
2: Yeah, good job. All
0: right, <laughs> good job. <laughs> Pat me on the back, uh, Phil. What was your food question?
3: Well, it was actually just like the you know being the dummy, right? Like so, what's the actual benefit from suit? Like those were all the things that weren't necessarily sous vide slow cooking. So, what's the actual benefit of vacuum sealing versus just my kind of like old school? You know, use the Ziploc bag. And, you know, is there an actual, is, is there a whole lot of uh, well, it's, benefit? It's funny that you call
0: it. It's funny that you call it old school because actually the vacuum machine came first and the Ziploc was meant to imitate the vacuum machine once we weren't allowed to use vacuum machines in restaurants anymore. So, like, the, the Ziploc technique was developed in direct uh, in, in, in directly because of the New York city's, uh, ban on sous vide in restaurants directly, like mm-hmm. no one was doing that prior to that. So like, you know, everyone was running around trying to figure out how to not use a vacuum machine. And on, only that caused, uh, the ziplocks. ditto with, uh, rolling things in plastic wrap and all of that stuff. Everyone, uh, already had the vacuum machine. It's so weird, right? Um, so the the vacuum machine for certain things, the the answer is no, 90% of the stuff that you want to do low temperature, you can do with a Ziploc. However, the vacuum machine is just more convenient for, uh, for certain things, especially if you don't want to have a lot of oil, you need a lot of liquid in the bag, like oil or otherwise to get the uh, Ziploc trick to really work well. Um, and certain things. Do certain things taste, I think, worse and under a high vacuum? For instance, chicken breast, I think under a high vacuum, the texture kind of suffers, but um, it's better for injecting flavors into things. So, like, I don't particularly like low temperature um, shrimp, but if you need to marinate shrimp, putting it in a vacuum bag injects the marinade into the shrimp. But for cooking itself, creme anglaise, uh, if you cook creme anglaise in uh, a Ziploc bag, it tends to still take on. Um, Kind of the sulfury, eggy notes. Whereas if it's vacuum packed, it doesn't. That's the one place where I'm really going to say the vacuum is like 100 percent necessary. Um, other than that, certain flavors, like I say, have better penetration in a vacuum than they would in a ziploc. But no, there's you, you, you're you're fine, Phil.
3: You're fine. Nastasia, did you want to make a joke about the penetration with the vacuum?
0: <laughs> you guys got to you guys got to get your head out of the freaking gutters, jeez, Luis. This is, you know, the holiday show, people. Holidays.
3: (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Jeez. Uh, From uh, Misplaced Enthusiasm, does Dave have a good way of removing static from machinery? Uh, For context, I have a flat burr coffee grinder that is a static monster ever since I removed the clump crusher. The clump crusher. In order to get a more consistent particle size and fewer fines. Uh, I've thought uh, about possible solutions like having some stainless wire in the place of the clump crusher. I like that word. You like that word clump crusher? It's okay. Yeah. Clump crusher.: oh, we love man. the word. See? See, the <laughs> poet knows the poet knows someone you don 't even appreciate it. someone was sitting around one day and was like, yeah. "What do you gonna call this thing? like uh, this thing that like you know stops. So w- what is a clump crusher? first of all, right? I'm sure some of you are asking what the hell is a, is a clump crusher. Let me finish the question first. Uh, oh, and uh, the grinder is mainly aluminum with some titanium coated burrs. If that helps at all. Oh, and I'm already doing a spritz of water on the coffee beans to tame it. But God help me when I forget to do that. All right. So a, a clump, let's say you have, by the way, back, I haven't spent money on my espresso rig in a long, long time, right? So like when I was buying stuff, they didn't have any clump crushers, right? But nowadays, in the era of kind of zero retention uh, grinders, a lot of people have grinders that grind directly from uh, the burrs in it, through a chute into a portafilter, right? So the portafilter is the thing that you you know that that holds the coffee grounds when you're making espresso. It's the you know the thing that with the handle. So a clump crusher is after. The burrs. So like after the burrs, if you don't have something right there, when things are grinding, they fly out of the burrs and as they fly out, right, they tend to kind of fly everywhere. And there's a lot of static electricity just because coffee tends to build up static electricity. So even if the machinery is all metal, if the coffee doesn't touch any of that metal on as it's spraying out of the burrs, it can have some static on it. So, and it can clump up where the static, uh, you know, where the coffee particles clump together, they clump up, et cetera. And if they can spray everywhere, we've been having, by the way, static nightmares, uh, here, I've been having static nightmares with my, with my flour, with my flour mill. And we had this issue, get this Stas, you're going to like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I won't say what I was making, but I had a graham cracker crust. I don't want to yes. trigger you, Hi. Yes. All right. So. I was, because I was doing, working with the book, I don't normally measure pie stuff or anything like this, but like, cause I'm working on the book, I'm trying to measure what's going on. So I had one of those silpats, right? And the Silpat, you know, the silpats that have like the outlines with the, with the diameters on them so that you can figure out how big your dough is. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. So silpats are non-conductive, right? Cause silicone is non-conductive. So anytime you're doing something that has like a lot of static or can develop a lot of static. So I have, I have dough with, ha- which has some like liquid in it and I have Silpat, and then I have a rolling pin, which is wood. So, and I'm not touching the dough. I'm just rolling it out. And so we were doing, I was doing graham cracker, the rolled in graham cracker crust. So I had these finely par- particleized graham crackers and I rolled it in. And then uh, Jen, my wife was helping me out picks up the Silpat and starts walking over Cause I was doing it on my, on my table, not in the kitchen. I was doing it on the table so that I could like really gauge, you know, big. And so she picks it up, she starts walking over and all of a sudden the graham crackers come alive and start flying up. But so much so that it was getting in her eyes. She's like, what the, she didn't know what the hell was going on. I turn around, I see the graham crackers flying into her eyes and the graham crackers like going everywhere. It was the craziest It was the craziest static experience I've ever seen in a kitchen is these graham crackers attacking my wife. It was nuts. It was nuts. Anyway, crazy. So Nastasia was like, I just wish it was you, Dave. I wish it had been you. I just wish it had been you. Yeah. She, she got it in the eyes. All I got was, you know, is that then later, do, do you know the feeling, do you know, I hate sand, right? You know, I hate sand. Yes. Yeah. Does anyone else hate sand besides me on this, on
3: this, uh, yeah. I don't mind sand.
0: Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. I think that, the, I think the world cleanly divides. I don't think there's people who are like, yeah, sand, yeah, I, could take, I could take it or leave it. You know what I mean? It's like
2: sand is Bill, the worst. Bill, what do, you, what do you think? Well, I'm actually, I could
3: kind of take it or leave it. It depends. I like sand on the beach. I don't like sand once I get home, you know?
0: Contrarian, always contrarian. Graham, graham, crackers on the ground, graham cracker particles on the ground is the same as stepping on sand. And so like the stuff, it's hard to get it all up. You know what I mean? And then every time I step on a little particle of graham cracker, I'm like, Ugh! it's not as bad as having a sticky floor. Nastasia hates movie theaters for a different reason. The thing I don't like about movie theaters is the sticky Coca-Cola floor, the sticky floor. Is there anything worse than lifting your shoe and having it stick to the floor at all?
3: I also love that you're going through a list of all the things you hate, and you're like, "You're such a contrarian."
0: What? <laughs> oh, yeah, like you're not a contrarian. You teach kids recorder.
3: No, I find the middle ground. You know, come on. What's, the so, recorder, you know, maybe the recorders sometimes are never the floor is useful.
0: You teach kids recorder because you hate parents. Admit it. Just <laughs> you. All right, back to misplaced enthusiasm's question. So, uh, the clump crusher is there to do a a number of things it's a it's a cool name clump crusher but really (laughs) if you don't have a little gate there uh the the grounds are going to come flying out and they're going to spray everywhere and the ones that haven't hit a piece of metal that's that's grounded to the rest of the unit are going to have their static on it and they're just going to be like a crazy wild hair flying everywhere right there's going to be everywhere so my question uh so one of the issues that people have with the with the clump crushers is that um they retain grounds. So remember that the clump crusher is coming after the coffee has already been ground. So I don't really understand why you would have a more consistent particle size or in other words, why the clump crusher would affect, I mean, I could be, could be wrong because again, like I'm behind the times when it comes to this kind of technology, but I don't understand why the the particle size distribution in, in your ground coffee or the fines would be overly affected by the clump crusher Seems to me, and for most people online, that the thing that they get really pissed off about is the retained grounds uh, in it. And really, like in a zero retention situation, yeah, the clump crusher is going to be a problem because anything that does have excess static is going to stick. So fines will stick to the clump crusher more, right? But then the next time you grind coffee, right, uh, it's already been saturated with fines, and so it like after your first grind, you know, you should be consistent. Now you're going to get old nasty coffee that's a different situation uh but the answer is is there's no good solution to what <laughs> sorry the answer is there's no good uh there's no good solution you could do like a double uh you could do like a double baffle situation but i don't i don't see a good solution maybe someone in the discord or someone can get back to me with it with a good solution for it sorry sorry about that was that an okay answer even though i didn't
2: answer it yeah good all
0: right uh, from balloon knot. I know I answered this a little bit in case it was a, a direct problem you had to solve before, but balloon knot wants to know, first of all, are any of you guys decent at tying knots in balloons?
2: Really good at it.
0: Really? Yeah. Is this one of those things where you say you're good at, or are you actually good at?
2: It? No, I'm really fast and really good, whether it's balloons or water balloons or jelly balloons.
0: Um, really? <laughs> you hear that people? Balloon. Yeah. Pick Nastasia first in the water balloon fight. Yeah. Pick her first. What do you think of, do you know, now, Nastassia, are you familiar with this new, these new yes, cheating ways have thought of doing water
2: about it. We should have thought about it. We should have thought of it. Are you, are you okay with the cheat? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's genius. I, I, you don't think
0: I so? See, well, but the thing is, is that like, you know, on certain things, you're like, no, you have it's to do definitely. it the right way or you're a terrible person. Like you hate in Bananagrams, you hate the two letter words. yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. No, but the so, but like, that, I just think that's a genius invention.
0: The only, I mean, it's not very, it's very kind of anti the earth, right? Because it's a yes. lot of plastic you throw away yes. to do it, yeah. But, uh, I mean, to me, there's like some honor in like actually being able to wrap that sucker around your finger and like roll and pop it real quick without like getting, yeah, I mean, you know, without popping them. So, I mean, I'm kind of happy this is a skill. After all these years, here's something I didn't know about you that uh, I learned. That, you never you know, want a to water hang balloon out in the fight. summer, that's why. That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, all right. So Balloon wa- uh, balloon Knot wants to know, uh, how do you prevent cooked whole crabs from turning black when chilled and stored after cooking? I, I tease the answer uh, a little bit. But um, so crabs, uh, and other decapod crustaceans, uh, in their, you know, it's not blood. They don't have blood. They have like hemolith, which is kind of like, cause remember they have an open circulatory system. They're not like, uh, they're not like mammals. Um, they have more or less of these things called hemocyanins, right? So, uh, remember Stacia, have we ever talked on air about horseshoe crabs?
2: Somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone know, can you eat a horseshoe crab? Is there any meat in a horseshoe crab? We looked into this, Dave. We did look into it. And
0: what did it. we find? I don't remember.
2: I will look while you're talking again. All
0: right. Well, horseshoe crabs are horror shows. I mean, on that, we can agree. Right, Nastasia? They're hor- they're horrifying.
2: I love them, but I hate them. You love uh, I, the, the, oh, you that they what? exist? But yeah, what? Joe picked up uh, some mating ones once and held them up in the air, and they still clung on to each other.
0: That's true, That's love. love. Uh, when I was a, a, a small child, like eight or nine, I went to a sleepaway camp, probably too early, probably too early, probably shouldn't have gone, especially me. And, uh, we, in Cape Cod, so Cape Cod is a, is a Cape, hence the name Cape Cod. And it, it's, you know, off the coast of Massachusetts and it looks like kind of like an arm. Anyone who knows what I'm talking about, it looks like, it looks like a, a Rosie the Riveter arm thing, right? and on the elbow near a town called Chatham there used to be uh it, there was like a long like spit that came that came out like a long like peninsula that came out and and it wasn't connected to the ocean it wasn't a barrier island it was actually connected to the cape the cape by the way is just a big piece of rubble that was deposited uh in the ocean at the end of the last ice age that's w- that's what it actually is it's actually very recent it's not an old thing anyway I mean, old compared to us, but not old compared to the rest of the geographic crab we have. So uh, when I was a kid, that was still connected. And so there was a thing called Pleasant Bay in between the land on Cape Cod and this spit that was the, you know, the outer, outer beach. And when I was a kid, we took a, a, a boat across that and we anchored uh, right near the outer beach where there was nothing. And there was a horseshoe crab mating bonanza. And it was just, you could not step without stepping on a horseshoe crab. And this was only a couple of years after the horrible, or maybe like a year after the horrible experience I had with the multiple brood cicadas that came out in New Jersey when I was a kid. Like if you've ever been part of a multiple brood cicada thing where they sound like screaming triffids and they're, they're falling everywhere and you can't walk without stepping on cicadas. You can't go anywhere without hearing cicadas. Like if you've ever done that, imagine that with horseshoe crabs. So I was kind of traumatized. And then only years later did I learn that they use horseshoe crab blood for medical things. And at the time it was very expensive. And I was like, I know where all the horseshoe crabs are. We could go back. We could become millionaires on horseshoe crab blood because I wanted to kill them all anyway. And then I later found out that it was very rare that you have this like incredible, like huge group of mating horseshoe crabs. Anyway uh, hemocyanin. So that is the stuff in horseshoe crabs that they use. I don't really even know what they use it for. Uh, but all crabs have more or less of it. And because it's copper based, right. Uh, certain enzymes in that are there when they go bad can make it go like kind of either bluish or black. And so what's happening most likely with your crabs is they're not being cooked enough, right? So like certain uh, crabs that sustain damage or uh, crustaceans that sustain damage when they're alive, you can get black spots on the shell. And I think that's kind of related. But if it dies and isn't cooked, right, it can go black or if it's undercooked, Uh, par-cooked, undercooked, and then chilled, it's going to go black because the enzymes haven't been uh, deactivated. So I would just say, uh, if you're going to par-cook and chill, you have to par-cook, chill, and then fully cook quickly or par-cook longer, and you shouldn't have that problem. Is that a decent answer?
2: Yeah. And they're not edible. They've only been used as bait and something about the COVID-19 vaccine. Really? Yeah, but I don't understand Mm. it. So
0: they're used as bait for what? What eats them? Eels. Eels eat them? Because my experience is is that they, like, you know how, like, when a regular crab washes up, maybe you see a claw, maybe you just see the the top part of the carapace, and something has eaten the rest of it, right? Horseshoe crab, when it walks up, it looks like a whole horseshoe crab. It's just dead. Nothing's been eating that thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Uh, what? You're going to say something? No. No. Uh, from Dobrek. Uh, hey, Dave and the team. Uh, for some reason I moved uh, out of the United States uh, and many of my cookbooks uh, bought in the United States call for insecure number one and number two. From what I understand, number one is 94% table salt and 6% nitrite. Uh, while number two is nitrite, nitrate, and uh, 90% salt. In Poland, where I am now based, there is no readily available products with these ratios Uh, I can buy so-called Sol Peklova, which is 99.3% table salt and 0.7% sodium nitrite. Uh, The important thing, people, is trite versus trait. Trite versus trait. Uh, Undefeated, I realized I can buy pure nitrate uh, and mix it myself with table salt. Now my source for all this information is Wikipedia. The information given there uh, is given in unitless numbers as in 6.25% of nitrite and uh, 93% uh, NACL, blah, blah, blah. This unit, less NESS, is giving me pause. Is it in grams? Is it mole number? Or perhaps these are fluid ounces or or feet. Uh, If this is in anything else than grams, what is a good source of these ratios of units in weight? I suspect it's a mole number. You know, you guys remember what moles are? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone?
4: Okay. Yeah, in chemistry. Ah, Sweet. Sweet. (laughs) <laughs> appreciate that
0: appreciate that so like so like every 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 compound right has a, a number associated with it that is the weight of the atoms in it and if you if you a mole of that weighs that weight in that atomic weight in grams that was not a clear explanation but in case you guys are wondering what a mole is, it's 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd. I had a a difficult time (coughs) explaining this to to Dax, right? So it's like, it doesn't matter what it is. A mole of cars is 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd automobiles. There's not that many automobiles, but obviously like a a mole of anything is 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd of that thing. And it just so happens that, uh, you know, grams to atomic units, that's the conversion ratio. So anyway, uh back to the question also in old books I see people using uh, potassium nitrate aka saltpeter now nah, I wouldn't do that I don't really want to use uh, that as I imagine nit- uh, nitrite is preferred substitute all right this is, the, this is getting really in the weeds this is it getting really in the weeds yeah, people on, Dave, uh, all right so Dobrik don't use just use the uh, the the stuff you were talking about that's got nitrite in it just use the nitrite unless you're curing ham. Right. So the the only reason to have nitrate in a cure is because it's it needs to provide a cure over a long period of time. So most of the things that people are curing are uh, ground products or things that where the, the cure can penetrate rather quickly, in which case nitrite is what you want. So most all old recipes, unless you're doing hams or whole muscle cuts, really should be using nitrite instead of nitrate. I am going to guess that ain't nobody writing cookbooks based on molar weights. That's just a guess. I haven't done the actual research, so I would bet that they're doing it uh, based on uh, gram percentages of uh, sodium uh, nitrate. That's that's my guess. Um, that's my guess. What do you think, Stas? I, I mean, don't quote me on it. Well, I'll, I'll ask Sandor Katz when he comes, although I don't know how much he knows about nitrate or, or anyone in the Discord can uh, chime in with their thoughts. Was that good enough, Stas? Was that good enough, That is good enough?
2: Right? enough, yes.
0: All right. Okay, wait, uh, we, uh,
2: how many <clears throat> we have left? We just have to talk about Montreal. We have to have Phil sing. What do we have left? I don't know. I'm just reading some questions. I mean, have we gotten through all pages? You tell me when to stop. I'll, I'll answer them quickly, all right? In five minutes. Nikhil. Phil, are you ready to sing in five minutes? Oh, I'm
3: so ready, Stop. Is Phil, is
0: Phil taking us out of the year?
2: Hey, Dave, what did you say? Uh, three potato sacks?
0: Wait, what is it? I've said many things about potato sacks, but what, what about?
2: Three potato sacks over the head. Is what? What Phil sounds like.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I, I say that? Headphones? I, don't, I don't know. The first thing I heard was I sounded great. Now I'm here and I sound terrible. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I mean, Phil, the voice sounds great. It's just the, the, the sound quality, it, at least something to, to be, you know. Phil has got, like, Phil is the Thorough Ravencroft of today, okay? Phil is today's Thorough Ravencroft. Not as tall as Thorough Ravencroft. A little disappointing. But you could be the new Tony the Tiger,
3: Phil. Phil, give me some They're Great. They're Great. Yeah. Jesus. I love that you're, like, basically, like, you know, not as tall. Uh, you don't want to look at him. You don't got to radio.
0: <laughs> I, I, listen, I did not, I did not say anything. I did say something about your physical appearance. Heights, not physical appearance. Yeah. It's, just, it's just, you're not a one-to-one substitution for thorough Ravencroft. You're also alive and he's dead. So how's that there? You won on that one. You know what I'm I saying?
3: Did. I did. I'm like, a, I'm like a mole of thorough Ravencroft. <laughs>
0: yeah. Although he did live to be 90 and change. He did lead to be ninety two and Thurl. We always talk about Thurl every year when we have Phil on because, of course, Thurl. Although Boris Karloff did the Boris Karloff did the narration of the Grinch in the in the original and only Grinch I will watch. Uh, it was Thurl Ravencroft that sang the song, and so like that, you know, that's oh why. God, that's Dave, why we
2: Dave. Dave, get yeah. to the questions. But, oh, we yes. didn't talk about. Yes, that's what I'm saying. We didn't talk uh, about. I know. Tommy. Yeah. So that, yes. right, let me just
0: answer this question. Hey, Dave, this is from Nickel. Hey, Dave, why do different uh, gases affect water or liquid differently? IE, why does CO2 in water versus nitrogen versus oxygen have such different textures? First of all, nitrogen, uh, oxygen, I don't know anyone that oxygenates stuff. Oxygen is usually a problem in, uh, in, in, in liquids. Uh, Nitrogen is being used because it's not very soluble. So you can use, you can put a lot of pressure with nitrogen. And then when it when you release the pressure, you get tiny micro bubbles because it all comes out of solution very, very quickly. So that's why people are using nitrogen to, like, increase the head, uh, for instance, in things like Guinness or uh, or in, like, uh, these new, like, nitrogen cocktails where people are, like, foaming it out. CO2 is very highly soluble in um, in, in gases. So to me, the, the big comparison is between carbon dioxide, which is very soluble but has a very – tastes like carbonation and nitrous oxide, which is laughing gas, which is used in whipped cream, which is also very soluble uh, in liquids, but provides a kind of sweet, uh, creamy uh, feeling as to why they have. I mean, your your tongue has certain uh, receptors uh, and enzyme uh, pathways that allow us to taste CO2. And that's why we perceive CO2 the way that we do, as opposed to other uh, things And presumably that's so that we can taste, for instance, things that are fermenting or, or going bad, presumably, but who knows why we evolve that way. Um, nitrous is a little more interesting in that God knows why we <clears throat> perceive that as sweet. I have no I- idea, but so like how we perceive the gases is going to depend on how fast they're coming out, how, how soluble it is, and then the specific nature of the gas. Was that a good answer, Nastasia? or no? Yes, well, you yes. seem like you did not think it was a good uh, no, it did. answer. It did. It Simon, did. Simon wrote in, hi, hey, uh, Simon Stark. Is there any reason I shouldn't use food grade essential citrus oils and cocktails in place of the traditional twist? I'm a home bartender, so I may zest one day, but I'm not using uh, the juice for a week. I got tired of flack from my family for the sad rose, scalp, citrus on the shelf. The Essential oils seem to work well, and I only use lemon, orange, and grapefruit. Anything should, uh, I should know, or is this okay? The problem with essential oils is that they're very hard to dose unless you – uh, dilute them in alcohol and spray them over the top. You can do that. I don't, I mean, I've never experimented with, I've never done a side by side with, uh, with like diluted sprayed citrus oil versus actually doing a twist. If, if what I recommend that you do, Simon is we're not going to hurt anyone. So don't worry about that. But like, I would do a side by side, do a triangle test, right? Three cocktails, like two, one way, one, the other, see if people can tell the difference uh, on a repeated basis. And if they can't tell the difference, then yeah, sure. Do the thing that's easy. I mean, for me, like the, uh, the act of doing that, especially if you're going to do a drop, right. So like in a, in a, in an old fashioned where you're going to drop the citrus peel, it's nice to have that there because it continues to add aroma and it's got that burst of color in an otherwise brown drink. Uh, so there you go. Was that a decent answer there? So yes,
2: yes, yes. All
0: right. Uh, deal, <laughs> I'll, I'll get one, I got one more, right. Then two, uh, two for the new year. I got two left from the new year I didn't get to. From tpo.lm. Dot, dot uh, hey, Dave, I bought a CMB, that's Becker, uh, tap for seltzer, and it's great. But when I put a soda or cocktail through it, it comes out only as foam. I've tried different pressures for dispensing, but to no avail. I forced carbonated keg at 40 PSI for cocktail and 30 for soda. Do you have a tip for my issue? Uh, cocktail is going to foam. Ain't nobody can actually do a good job dispensing a highly carbonated cocktail. I've never seen it done, right? You can... Torque the pressure. Yes, uh, but here's some hints. Uh, you need a much longer dispensing line after your cold plate. So you need to put it through two cycles of your cold plate after it comes out of the keg. Two, not one, two. And uh, that should be enough of a line to slow it down so that it's coming out at a relatively uh, low uh, a low differential between the uh, line and the head. You'll get some initial foaming, but it should calm down, and then the little there's a little knob, little knob on the right hand side of that tap that you can adjust to uh, tame it. And if you tame the flow, put it through two things of cold plate, make sure it's really cold when it comes out. The soda should be fine. The cocktail, I mean, I think that sucker's always going to foam, but that's me. Uh, okay, was that decent? Now we're gonna we're we're on to on to Hermie and Chris and and Phil.
2: Hermie and Phil in Montreal. What do you want to start with?
0: All right, do do let's do, do Montreal. Do Montreal. Go.
2: We went to Montreal. Yeah,
4: that was we, it. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. stories.
2: Well. We ate bagels. <laughs> <laughs> we, ate bagels <laughs> we stayed in a treehouse. There was a grease fire, and uh, we ate. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Let's go and let's go in random order. Grease fire. Go.
4: Uh, so we, this was at the end of our first, we entered Montreal, I mean, entered Quebec, uh, ate dinner in Montreal at a really nice restaurant and then moved farther north up to Mont-Tremblant for our, <laughs> where we were going to stay in a tree house. The,
0: the Laurentians.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, and he, so. I have, I have two been to that miles.
2: Time. We had to hike two miles in the dark to the treehouse at 11 p.m., start a fire in the wood burning stove. We accidentally put candles on top of the stove. The candles blew up. Yeah, a the little few lights. Yeah. We doused it with accidentally water. Accidentally on we purpose? Started- <laughs> we doused it. Well, it, it was on purpose. Sorry.
4: Heating up the place or just have anything whatsoever because we were struggling so hard to like get the fire going. But then we we got it going, and then we realized we hadn't moved the tea lights. So we hadn't like I got a spatula or something and tried to like move them off. But the molten wax like spilled onto the furnace and the floor. And the third time that happened, it caught fire outside. And then stupidly, so you tried to do this three times, and like that was the dumbest thing we could have done. We should have just done nothing, which is eventually what like remedied the situation was nothing like we just stood there i mean you wanted it's not they wanted to like run out and we probably should have but the fire calmed itself and nothing was damaged
2: surprisingly
0: that's 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 nice that, yeah. have i ever told you my mont trombone story
2: no no
0: i was a small relatively no no i was a. we went to a, a ski a ski lodge called i believe it's called like gray rocks or something like this and uh I was a kid, right? So I wanted to do downhill because all kids wanted to do downhill, but we were doing cross country, right? And this is back before skating. This is diagonal cross country, right? And so I was like, oh man, I really want to do downhill. But like, you know, they were like, no, we don't have downhill gear. We have cross country gear. And furthermore, you don't have a lift ticket. So being the little idiot that I was, I cross country skied up the downhill slope and everyone on the lift was like, the hell's wrong with this kid? What is wrong? Like people were yelling down from the from the from the chairlift. You're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And I was like going up the mountain, and then of course the the, the cross country skis they suck going downhill. They don't have an edge on the sides. It's not a telemark ski. So I'm like I'm just like snow plowing like wide snow plowing my way down like a freak show. All the way down the mountain. That's my Mont story. Wow, Dave, your
2: your, your
3: childhood sounds like some kind of mix between the Beverly Hillbillies and Succession. You're like the <laughs> Yale grad who summers on the Cape, and then you're, and then your cross country. Oh, my cross country skis weren't quite exactly what I was looking for. All right, Phil. All right. All right. Uh,
0: now, hey, listen. The other thing about the Laurentians at that time is that the cross country trails that we went on, and it was. But cold. I remember that they were maintained by monks, and so they were. There were monks wearing. I swear, to, swear to God, wearing the full-on monk habits on snowmobiles. And if you've never seen a monk wearing a habit like grooming a ski trail in a snowmobile, you haven't lived. You haven't lived. My waiter's name was Sylvan. I still remember him to this day. Sylvan was the waiter.
4: Ooh. Sylvan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Belt. Name?
0: It's yeah, like, right. Sylvan. Mm, yeah. Sylvan. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, he was Quebecois. Uh, yeah.
2: He
0: was Quebecois. Uh, uh, by the way, okay. No, wait. It was Grease Fire Treehouse. Uh, that was the same thing. Bagels. And, uh,
2: bagels were not bag- that good.
4: Bagels at St. Viata. You didn't like them.
2: Not really. They weren't they were,
4: like. They were hot. They were right. Oh.
0: I mean, Joe, your opinion on bagels is kind of meaningless here, in California.
4: <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs>
0: No offense, okay. California, but I mean, come on. Uh, I kind of trust Nastasia on this. Nastasia's lived in New York for you know like a long time. She's saying I mean, the bagels. Were...
4: I mean, maybe I had like higher expectations because I thought Montreal was. I mean, okay, we had some bagels at one bagel shop in the entire city. Maybe there's more. No, more to we went offer to the
2: one that was like supposed to be one. Yeah,
4: and
0: also, people, Nastasia enjoys poutine even though it's got French fries in it
4: because yeah, they've it with poutine, stuff. Yeah.
2: Right, John? Did you like it?
4: I, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the traditional poutine. They threw in some uh, ducks. N- nanny, us.
0: nanny. They went to, look, they did say They went to Pierre de Couchon. They had the foie gras, uh, poutine and you don't need to put no. a foie gras on a poutine. You don't it need to do
4: like it. We had the poutine. Dave.
0: You did not have it at P- Pierre de Couchon.
4: had foie gras there, <laughs> but no. yes. the poutine we had was at, Like some some bar in a village right before Mont Blanc. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
2: yeah. Uh,
0: Also, before we get into Hermie and Phil, I know we're going to run a couple minutes over, but I apologize. I can't let this go. Uh, So everybody knows that John. I think everybody knows. Everybody knows that I, I can say this. John's girlfriend's family owns a Kalamazoo Grill. Now, I've said on this air. Kalamazoo Grill is the grill that costs more than an automobile. All right, the Kalamazoo Grill. Well, it costs more than a bad automobile. Like it's like it's like it's like a low to mid price. It's like a it's like a Hyundai. It's like a it's like a Sonata. Right. So like you could either have like a Hyundai Sonata or you could have like this Kalamazoo Grill, but. Uh, the Sonata. The people who built it don't sign the inside of it for you, right? So this grill is so grilly, right? That they, the workers, sign the inside of the Kalamazoo grill, and we're
1: all like, "Hey, hey, how good can it be?"
0: Now, John, for the first time ever, used it. Go.
1: It was really, really intense. I've never worked with a piece of kitchen equipment that gets as hot as that did. I used it to finish searing off this prime room I made in the oven, and. It was too intense for the rib. The amount of flare-ups, you know, just because of the high heat mm-hmm. and the grease coming off of it, it was it was wild. But, I mean, it would be really fun to, you know, get the flames more under control. I asked other people to get it started, so I think they went a little too crazy. He's um, fading.
0: Yeah, you're fake. Get close to the mic. I need to hear about the Kalamazoo. Were you running it on
1: gas or were you running it on wood or coal? On wood. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, No, know. Running it on wood, it was really, Listen, really intense.
0: For those of you that don't know, for those of you that have never done wood fires, like wood fires, wood, not coal, wood fires go from zero to, ah, real quick. And so uh, when you're cooking with wood, if you're not like used to cooking with wood, you end up putting like a lot of wood on, and then it's really hardcore. I love cooking that
1: way. wood. Like- by if this, if the thermostat on the Kalamazoo is, you know, good and and true, it we maxed out at over a thousand degrees. Yeah, we wouldn't keep going. yet. it was screaming hot.
0: All right. So for those of you that, for those of you that, looking
1: forward to cooking on it again at some point.
0: For those of you to do some math at a thousand degrees. Uh, the radiant heat per square meter of a cooking surface that is being released. Guess. In watts, guess per square meter. How many watts for a thousand degrees Fahrenheit?
2: I don't know, Dave. Just no, say it.
0: That's why I asked for a guess. I know you don't know. I ju- I literally did this calculation yesterday, so like I know the answer. It's guess.
2: Five hundred thousand.
0: Oh, that's really high. I'll give you this. The sun is sixty-four million watts per square meter. So how many watts is this thousand thousand degree grill per square meter? I don't know. 20,000. Very, it's pretty close. Anyone else? Anyone else? 30, it's 30, 30, 30,000 Watts per square meter. That is insane. Insane. Right. And when you take it down to only 500 degrees, right. It is like a lot, lot less. It's only like, you know, a couple thousand Watts per square meter. You know what I mean? Like five, 6,000 Watts per square meter. So like that, that, that extra, you know, push up there causes the radiant heat to just freaking skyrocket just freaking skyrocket and so like stuff will just instantly catch fire including you i'm, I'm surprised the grill made it the grill was fine
1: the grill was totally fine yeah really yeah it's it's an impressive piece of equipment
0: nice did you look for the signatures on the inside
1: it was too dark and i was too busy cooking so i did not but next time when it's
2: light out i'll take a closer look
0: Yeah. Oh, all, right, all right all right so we're on to the last two things of the year, right, Nastasia? Is there anything out? Did yes. I miss anything?
2: Oh, hurry! We're over time.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So everyone knows who listens to this show that Nastasia and I—they love the uh, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Some idiot, by the way. Uh, look, you might be a good person. I don't remember your name, but they wrote an article for the Atlantic saying how all of those like shows, including Rudolph, are bad, and then rehashed a bunch of like dumb old stuff about how all of the characters in the uh in Rudolph are problematic. Yeah, no duh. No duh. Like there, no one's like, oh, Kramer versus Kramer sucked because like they weren't nice to each no, come on, man. It's like it's not about people being nice to each other, right? It's just it's the show that you watch. Like, go look at that Atlantic article where they where they say that all of the shows are bad. Nothing interesting in that article. Nothing interesting. I am a fan of the Rudolph at right, Stas?
2: Yes, we love it. We quote it. We love it.
0: We quote it we love it now. You had Joe watch to see if he could find the error and he couldn't find the error.
2: Right. Yes.
4: I couldn't find yeah, I couldn't find the error. I didn't know what I was looking for. Once I That's found the out error, I was like, "Okay." But then your own son came up with a like logical explanation.
0: Yeah. My own son is the genius. So here's, here's the story. So for those of you that don't know, Rudolph is a, is a reindeer with a red nose. Okay. And not just like, he's a little bit drunk, by the way, you know, they almost didn't get to make the, uh, that whole thing because they were like, they was going to think that the, 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 the drunk reindeer, we can't have a drunk reindeer with kids because it used to be like, everyone's like, Oh, the red nose meant that someone was drunk. That was like an old meme before memes. Right. And uh, so somehow, like, by making it that bright, I guess, like a li- literal, like, light bulb, they were like, <laughs> everyone was like, we're, we're okay with it. So anyway, so you have this you have this reindeer with a red nose, and everyone is shunning the reindeer. Santa is shunning the reindeer based on his looks. You know, like, uh, the reindeer are really mean. They don't let him play in the reindeer game. So you have, uh, you know, you have, like, the who uh, was who, who, who it doing the, who was the teacher? Which which reindeer was the teacher? I forget.
2: Uh, Do you remember? Donald, Blitzen? Donner? It, and I thought... One of those, one of those. It's like,
0: we're not going to let Rudolph play in any reindeer games, right? Right. Anyway, the the best character in the whole thing, obviously, is Yukon Cornelius. Everyone wants to be Yukon Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius, the guy that is the actor who played Yukon uh, Cornelius, uh, last name is Mann. I forget his first name. He actually uh, fought in World War II and was uh, one, of, one of the people who uh, helped liberate uh, one of the concentration camps. Interesting character, Yukon Cornelius. But Yukon really? Cornelius, yeah, Yukon Cornelius – I mean, everybody, is there anyone that doesn't love Yukon Cornelius, Nastasia?
2: No, no one I know.
0: Yeah, no one that I, no one that you respect doesn't like Yukon Cornelius. I mean, he's, he's awesome.
2: Everyone says everyone think, in that you show is bad. Look okay. Cornelius. Do you think he, what do you think his lifestyle is like quickly in one sentence? Yukon Cornelius. The, is he married? You, Does he have oh. kids? What's his deal? Go one sentence. Don't waste any I think he's life. a
0: furry. I think he's a furry. <laughs> I think I think, I think I think he and the Bumble are a little closer than they're letting on in the show. Uh, that's he's, what I think. and he can do whatever he wants. look Yukon Cornelius, Yukon Cornelius, like he's just very accepting, right So like he's like he's you eat what you like and I eat what I like. I mean he's great. no matter what you do, like he is like he's like he's fine with it. you know what I mean? He's gonna save the day. He's Yukon Cornelius, you know, although he did have that one awesome line. When he said to uh Rudolph and Hermie, even in a land of misfits, you're misfits. misfit. So he he did throw down we, on that. So anyway, so
2: our, we used that with our loan officer yesterday.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're like Nastassi and I are trying to get this this business loan. It's it's months and months and all this stuff. And then like they like the the lady we were talking to is like, I've never seen something this effed up before. And I was like, even among misfits, you're misfits. Like I was doing the whole thing from the show. I think she had seen the show so she knew what was going on. So anyway, so you have this red-nosed reindeer and you have this uh, elf who wants to be a dentist. We won't get into that, but he wants to be a dentist, doesn't like making toys. And uh, his boss, it's all coming down to this, his boss in the show is, uh, I call him the head elf. I don't know what he's actually called, but he has this kind of like round face and like, like a, he has like a goatee and he is mean. He's a mean guy and he has this very, very gruff voice right and he's like why weren't you at elf practice like that's how he talks right like literally that's how he talks and uh, so Santa shows up right and there and all the elves are together right at elf practice and uh, you know Hermes off doing you know like pretending to do dental work on, on a doll uh, and later they head elf yells at him he's like we don't need any chewing dolls like that's just yelling at him with that voice. And uh, and so when he introduces the music, because Santa is looking like a, like a D-bag. I got to be honest, Santa is a giant D-bag throughout the entire show, right? Yeah, and right. so he's sitting in the chair and he's got his hand on it. He's got his head on his hand. He's like not paying attention. He's like looking around. He's doing anything. Mrs. Claus is being a freaking gem. She's like paying attention to these freaking elves. These elves have been working hard on this song called We Are Santa's Elves. And the head elf gets up and you see his face. You see him. You expect some sort of mean son of a gun. And he goes, and remember, it's for Santa and a one-a and a two-a. And then they start doing the whole song. And the first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell? Where is that voice coming from? And then literally right after, Santa goes, mm, needs work. I have to go. And he leaves. And then you know, Mrs. Claus is like, oh, don't pay any attention. And then she leaves. And then he's like, he's right. That sounds terrible. He starts goes back into his old voice. So I always saw it. This is a mistake. This is an error. They like for some reason, like maybe the head elf died and they needed a voiceover. And so they did an entirely different voice. And it always stuck with me. And I mentioned this to Dax this year. And he right off the bat goes, yeah. didn't miss a beat. That is his Santa suck up voice. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, Boof. like this whole my whole world, like, disintegrated, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I hadn't thought about this whole, like, elf hierarchy where th- this freaking elf has to code switch in front of Santa and act like one human being or one elf in front of Santa and then is an entirely, has an entirely different voice and language when he's talking to his other elves, and it's not – and it's, like, entirely mean, so he's, like – he's a bully. He's, like, a toxic workplace guy on the elves, but then whenever he's talking to Santa – he has this entirely different persona. This blue. When I realized it wasn't a mistake, that just shows how deep that show is. That they built that into that show. That just shows how deep that show. Suck on that Atlantic writer. You just don't watch closely enough. You like take other people's like dumb interpretations of like what's going on in that without actually looking at it. For instance, Yukon Cornelius Nastasia. What does that man have on his waist belt? Gun. A gun. Man carries a gun and does he have does he have gunpowder for that gun? Yes. Yeah, cuz what are the life
2: sustaining supplies? <laughs> Guitar strings, ham hocks and gunpowder.
0: Yeah, and cornmeal. So we oh, know that the man we know that the man can make scrapple. We know that the man can make scrapple because he's got ham hocks and cornmeal. All right? So the man knows how to make scrapple and we know he's searching for a peppermint mine so we know that he's going to freshen up afterwards and we know he has a gun and we know he has gunpowder. And guitar strings, although we never seen him play the guitar, do we? He doesn't play the guitar at the end, does he? He
2: doesn't. No, I think it's with the snowman.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, See. Anyway. So, man, but he never, he never, he never fires a gun at at the bumble or at anything else. Yeah, he wrestled he, 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 he's completely non semi nonviolent solutions to these issues. I mean, he's an amazing guy, Yukon Cornelius. I'll leave you I'll leave you with that on the way anything else to say to people before we uh, Phil take it away with his uh with his uh, yearly grinch
2: No John Joe Phil well anything to promote no.
1: <clears throat> Buy this this year's old bro Buy Joe
2: road. you Joe you
1: you Joe you
4: pushing any poetry you pushing any poetry Um no I'm not going to push it but I I mean yeah I have a book in the works yeah, you got to you got to push things. You don't go on something unless you're pushing something.
0: Come on, everyone's pushing something. No, book, I don't, I don't really pushing. It's not
4: ready yet. What? Yeah, once it's released.
2: When's it released? Maybe I'll have
4: When's right. it releasing? Probably like sometime next year. Hmm. We'll race. You and I are going to race. Race all books.
2: Do it. Do it before Dave. Do it before Dave, please. When is it
4: releasing the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. Race to the books. Uh, Wait, Dave, all when right. Is so supposed
2: to be released, Dave.
0: Oh, come on. So I was like two, two years ago it was supposed to be released.
2: Give me a break. Come on. Dude, I want an answer. When is it? First
0: of all, it's it's October, but I don't know. I, I was supposed to hand it in in October for a year's thing. So I don't know. I haven't spoken to uh, my editor to figure out like a new t- – I need to get her this section on, on heat transfer, which is why I happen to know exactly how much energy uh, 1075 degree <laughs> – a grill is going to be putting off per square meter. That's why I happen to exactly know that because I was working again on my heat transfer section of it. Uh,
2: right. Joe, get right. yours out before Dave. That will okay, be. Okay,
4: yeah, we should have an episode where we read from each other's yes. books. <laughs> yes. I,
0: I like that. I like that a lot. And I, what I appreciate most is that Nastasia only wants Joe to finish the book just to make me feel bad. So it's not to make Joe feel good.
2: If she no, wants really. Joe's
0: book to be done so that
2: I, I feel each, bad. I want you guys to read sections of each other's books on air. That'll be really fun. Yeah.
4: That yeah. would be yeah. a lovely smashing time. Smashing?
0: smashing! All right, all right. So, all right. Uh,
4: and, uh, listen, uh, Hold on, hold on. Patreon
0: people, we appreciate you. Thanks for uh, joining us for this first year that we're uh, uh, at the newstand Studios at Rockefeller Center. We appreciate you. And uh, we have... Uh, Phil Bravo uh,
3: and Dave before I start I have my one thing to push if anyone is looking for a last minute Christmas gift make a donation to Bloom Haiti B-L-U-M-E building leaders music using music education uh, in Haiti, bloomhati.org amazing organization and I promise Dave zero recorders uh, okay but,
0: let me ask you a question
3: yeah. are you signed up for
0: Cameo? Can people go on Cameo and have you do voice messages for them? I'm not but I
3: can do that now if you'd like Dave yeah,
0: can yeah. you get close Go find to Phil your Bravo on
2: camera, Phil.
0: Yeah, come on, man.
2: Come on. This is I. Maybe I this like... is
0: why you get no work in voice in voice because <laughs> you're doing it from like across the block. Is this better or worse? Better. Better. Better, better right. than before, but not as good, well. as good as it was when it's at its. It... Oh, give me Dana, a little bit of Phil before you say.
2: Let's let's thank yeah. all of uh, our people that have supported goal. the account. All uh, right, all right, all right, right. thank you. Uh, without further ado, Phil Bravo.
3: And these are some lyrics created for Dave. And let me tell you, when you ask Nastasia if you have any mean lyrics about John, uh, she comes up with a lot of things that aren't able to be said on air.
0: Stay um, close to the mic, you're going in and out.
3: I'm right here. Alright, we're going back to the headphones. Son of a gun.
0: Even even among misfits, you're misfits.
3: <laughs> Dave, give me the intro. I want that. Uh better da better da bomb. You're some mean ones. Dave and Stas, you wow. really are some heels. You're as cuddly as a rotovap, as charming as Dave Chang. Dave and Stas. <laughs> wow. Dave majored in philosophy, and somehow now all he does is talk about pies.
0: <laughs>
3: Wait,
2: what, <laughs> Phil? You
0: you you left. I heard
3: pie, and then you he just left.
2: out of the room. He just
3: walked out of the room talking about PhDs. What the hell? Dave, I'm back. I'm here. My 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 mic is out.
0: My mic is out. Yeah. Listen, if you if you hire Phil on cameo, he promises to use like uh, uh his iPhone. You're not a green person, right? You're a blue person, aren't you?
3: I'm a blue person.
0: All right. Do you have more? But well, that was great. But I don't know because you faded out. I don't know whether you were saying more or not.
3: I think that my microphone clips, man, but you nauseate us, Stas and Dave. With a nauseous, super nauseous. John has a PhD, but now just fetches city bikes for Stas and Dave. Ouch.
2: You're a bad
3: banana with a, greasy black peel that you put in the spins all for about five minutes. Then you press it through some cheesecloth, put it back in for another five minutes. Uh, and that's what I had Dave. There's, there's so much food stuff in here. You've got cactus, peel, garlic in your skull, dead tomatoes with uh, moldy purple spots. You know, there's yeah, a lot of material fun. in there. Yeah.
0: Well, Phil, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks. And ha- happy holidays to everyone. And we'll see you next year on cooking issues.